Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Uh, today's show, we'll look back at the uh, first quarter of the season and look forward to the last three quarters and determine who our most valuable Celtics are. But first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Give us a follow on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Uh, shout out to CLNS Media, as always. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. Uh, and let's just get into it. Uh, Brian Robb, a resident Celtics beat writer. Actually, before we go to the, to the MV Celtic talk, uh, you were just coming from practice today. It's it's Tuesday, and somehow the Celtics haven't played in like four or five days, but they are less healthy than they <laughs> were the last time they, they they took the court. So, can we have a quick uh, infirmary report from from practice? Well, M- Marcus Smart is the first one I want to know about. Yeah, What's going on? That's probably the more pressing situation. Uh, so he had an eye infection, and it turned into an eye infection in both eyes, and hopefully it's not spreading anywhere else. But uh, so he's at. <laughs> You know the timetable is seven to ten days, and I think he's this is day eight for him in the recovery process. So uh, he is not traveling to Dallas. He's been obviously away from the team. Um, it's been a pretty rough situation. It sounds like um, you know I think it's just like you, you can't really open your eyes, you can't really do anything. He's quarantined um, right now. No, no one has seen him. Uh, I'm sure some, hopefully some doctors and trainers <laughs> have seen him, but beyond that, yes, I don't think uh, anyone of the Celtics have seen him. But yeah, so he is. I'd say, you know, best case scenario, he's back Friday. Um, realistically, it might be Sunday. Um, so that's number one. P- and Pina, then, real, Pina, real quick, don't you think that if any player in the Celtics was going to go like blood sport and have to play a game totally blind and just trust their instincts, that, that it would be Marcus Smart? Any player in the history of professional <laughs> sports, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he, he gets my vote. So worst case scenario, he'll play a couple games blind. Just, I think I just throw some goggles on there, like <laughs> yes. you know, what, what could go wrong? Um, and then yeah, so that's not that's a minor issue it seems like, but uh, and I guess these are other minor issues too. But still, a uh, hit to the Celtics depth chart was, you know, Rob Williams is out for the last week and a half anyway with uh, a hip issue, and now uh, that's been diagnosed as a a bone bruise in the hip, so he's out for at least three weeks potentially more it sounds like um if they're saying they're reevaluating in three weeks and then yesterday uh vincent uh mm. was fighting with daniel tice for a rebound and uh apparently tice broke his pinky and so he's out for six weeks so again those two guys i mean it's not a, you know obviously a huge hit to the direct rotation here but as far as opportunity goes and um for vincent or either of those guys to kind of show what they can do that that's clearly not going to happen in the next few weeks here did you uh, did you tweet out that this was Vincent said this is his first ever basketball injury in his career? Yes, yes, he is apparently uh, Iron That's Man. incredible, right? Uh, I mean, he hasn't played basketball a ton in his life. I think he switched to it late, but that's still pretty. He's still like in his mid twenties now. So picked up a ball six months ago, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess like the pinky is like his his Achilles because six weeks with a broken pinky that seems that seems like a lot for the Iron Man. 
Well, I guess maybe it'll be he's having surgery. The Celtics say six weeks, so it might be closer to four based on how Gordon Hayward's recovery went. Um, but yeah, not, I mean, tough break for him because this obviously was going to be a situation where he was going to get a chance at some point with Rob Williams out. Um, but now you're looking, now it's kind of the Grant Williams show. I think if anything else right now, Mike, like they're going to find out what they have in Grant Williams because he's going to get a lot of chances. I feel like on nights when, you know, Tice doesn't have it and you're playing small ball teams because, you know, Cantor can't guard the, you know, the stretch fives of the world, obviously. Yeah, it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up against the, the Mavs, particularly if the Mavs play Boban. That's going to be, <laughs> that could be really... Well, uh, we didn't bring up Taco Fall here, who will be with the team for that matchup. So Yes, that is true. And if we get Taco versus Boban, I mean, that's just that just end the nba right Right. there that's the peak right there you're not beating that competition um so yeah it'll be fun but but i i I am excited to see grant williams in those small lineups with him at the five that should be really interesting and then after dallas that's home game against detroit so then you got drummond and blake then charlotte with you know i mean zeller and biombo i know you love (laughs) biombo mike and then uh, and then it's at toronto so some some big teams coming up yeah it's definitely big teams it's I mean, to be honest, I think Tice and Cantor and Grant Williams, these are the three best centers for this roster right now anyway. I feel like so. Um, Rob Williams had shown highlights, you know, some throughout his year, but I don't think he had been as consistent as people would have hoped right now. So as far as team success goes, I think this is okay, but it's also, you know, you're pretty thin if if someone else gets hurt or foul trouble pops up then you're going to be you know looking at Shemi Ojale playing center or something like that hmm yikes you, <laughs> but well, and, maybe Marcus will be back by then exactly or Marcus Smart <laughs> at the five so that will be for those who want to see small lineups uh get ready right now before we get into the MVP discussion as well not that any of these injuries will really impact the Celtics trade situation but trade season is here guys officially December 15th was on Sunday so pretty much the whole league barring a few exceptions can be traded right now does how the team fared we didn't really talk about this much last week with the you know the Embiid situation a couple tough losses to the Sixers and the Pacers but when you're looking for upgrades right now for this group are you is there any area you want to address specifically in the next four or six weeks or like want to have more clarity on, or are you more of the mind being like, you know, this team is better off just going with what they have because there's not going to be anyone attainable. That's going to make a, a meaningful difference. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm fine with them rolling with what they have letting the younger guys get experience and and filling roles with opportunity like we just talked about with Grant playing the five which is something he'll need to ultimately do at the NBA level if he wants to kind of maximize his potential long term so I, I think that that's just great for him and otherwise like to win a championship then I mean this team probably needs a few things uh, but just in the here and now uh, I, I'm fine with everybody kind of figuring themselves out in their role. This team hasn't really been super healthy, so 
let everybody be healthy. Let everybody merge. I want to see Jalen and Gordon and Tatum on the court at the same time for meaningful minutes and see how that goes and and just roll with it. I'm, I think I'm, I have more confidence in the, the big man rotation, as tattered as it is, than uh, I did certainly before the season began. You know, the, the fact that Boston has had a top 10 defense for the entire season pretty much is really telling. So just in the here and now, I'm fine with them rolling with what they have and, and kind of seeing how it coalesces. Is that is that Tice that's kind of pushed you in the right direction on that on the big man front? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but... Yeah. Oh, no, really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah, don't. Please don't spoil anything. Um, and I, Yeah, I mean, and, and when it comes down to player-for-player player deals, that's and we've talked about this before, it's just like you're ultimately going to end up breaking even because to, to, to give someone up that's going to bring someone on that's going to help you know, it just doesn't really make a difference because you're in the same place you were. But if you're gonna, if you're willing to trade one of those first round picks, like who who are some of the guys? And we talked about them, like Bertans. We mentioned Rudy Gay. Is there? I've mentioned JJ Redick. I don't know if, if the money will work. Is there anyone else lingering, B Rob, that you think uh, might yeah, move like, the need a little bit? I mean, it's it's going to be tough with the salary constraints because um, you don't have much to you want to send out. Obviously, because I think your top five guys aren't going anywhere. Tyson Cantor have played well enough where you're, both of them are probably not going anywhere unless it's like a really impactful addition. So just random names to throw out there as far as like, I think shooting, adding another shooting name might be more preferable for me right now if I was going to make a move than a big, just based on what the market provides. So some names that I think we brought up each one more before. I feel like he's going to be on the move. Um, Marco Bellinelli probably has nothing left in San Antonio, but if he's bought out, that's someone I'd look at. Is is Alec Burks in Golden State, Mike? Like, is is he kind of having? He makes only one point six million dollars. So that's why he's interesting to me. Um, or is that just empty numbers on a really bad team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't been watching too much of the Golden State Warriors because I flipped to them the other night and uh, Willie Cauley-Stein and Kevon Looney were in the starting lineup and I was like, no, hard Together? pass. <laughs> Together. I was like, no, I'm not going to I'm not gonna subject myself to this right now. So, Life's too short. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, I, I in the... Like throughout his career, I've I've kind of he's been one of those guys who I was just kind of waiting to break out because there's just a lot, lot there's a lot to like about his game. Right. He's never really been you know a high volume three point shooter this year. He's kind of doubled his career average from deep, averaging four threes a game, shooting a decent shooting them at a decent clip. Um, he's shifty. The thing about him is he just can't stay healthy. So it's, I mean, it's not a huge deal if you were to acquire someone like that um, at that cost. But it de- obviously depends on what you would give up to get yeah, him. Like, and then, yeah, like, not a first round pick, obviously, but a, no, you know, no a chance. Second. Yeah, no chance. Um, so maybe if you were doing like a, like, honestly, he's like a protected second. I, like I, that's what I would give up for him personally. So, um, so yeah, I don't really think that there would be too much interest, and I don't really know what his role would be on the Celtics either. I think it would just be an alternative to Brad Wanamaker and Ojale, and like when you need offense, like just they right. need like against the Sixers, like just some production out of the bench. I think it's the biggest thing. Like right now, I think you have a, a solid eight man rotation when everyone's good with 
including or seven, I should say, with Smart um, and Cantor coming off the bench. And then the question is, you know, Wanmaker and Ojale, like those are fine pieces. And believe me, I'm there's no bigger advocate than Wanmaker than me. But like <laughs> when you're going against playoff teams with speed and size, you probably need some better creators, just better outside shooters. Um, and finding someone, whether it's a Burks, whether I mean another cheap guy, Damian Dotson, New York. He's younger, but like I like Damian he, Dotson. He, he he always seems to like be a thorn in the Celtics side when they play him and is only making 1.6 million. And then if you want to go more of a stretch biggie type, like would, I wouldn't hate giving up a like late first round pick for Saric. If Phoenix turns into a seller, like he's, that's a restricted free agent coming up. Even if you don't want to keep him, you at least have control there. Um, and that could, again, if the wizards are in love with Bert hands and you need another stretch big there, I, something like that, where you add offense uh, could make a difference there. I have another Michael Pina favorite who's shooting 49% from three-point land this year. You know who I'm going to say, Mike? Marcus Morris? Uh, no, it's unbelievable <laughs> that he is. That That's correct. He's shooting 47%. But uh, Rodney Hood. Oh, wait. He got, he got hurt, didn't he? At least I said that. For, said it before <laughs> yeah. you guys reminded me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at the stats here and got excited because I know how much you like him. Yeah. He's definitely um, available. <laughs> yes, he is. Then the other guys, uh, I mean, Tony Snell shooting a high percentage. Langston uh, Galloway is shooting yep. pretty well from three. Yep. Markeith uh, Morris. Are you going to bring another Morris? He's only making $3.2 million. I don't know if they want to go down that road again, but as far as – I think he's shooting over 40% for the Detroit, which seems like – I mean, Blake's going for another – he had another knee situation the other night now, so they could really – they got to things like yeah. I mean, they, they should get bottom out, out. I think, but but I mean, not a lot of pieces. What about I mean, Clay Thompson? He's having a good year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think things will get interesting here more when in the next few weeks, with as more teams out west fall out of it. So like maybe some San Antonio pieces and Phoenix pieces, et cetera, become available. Um, but for now, it's not. There's not a lot out there that's worth moving a first round pick for. Um, but the guys that are, are still intriguing to me because I don't know with this team, again based you know Ainge hasn't made a real trade at the deadline for three or four years now and last for as much as you want to I'm all for sticking with the young guys this year but I think this group is good enough where you you owe it to them to Brad Stevens to at least give them a chance against the Bucks and the Sixers and I think to give yourself a better chance adding a guy for a first round pick when you're not going to even need that guy next year anyway a late first round pick here um like why not when the league is more open than ever this year yeah it's not yeah. not the expense of the future though still yeah you know what I mean? but like what's a late first round pick for this team like what's that guy gonna do next year he's not gonna play hmm. yeah um royce o'neill i just don't yeah. think any of these guys like move the needle at all personally and i would rather like I'm, I'm I I don't know if any if any of these guys will like getting to the finals maybe I, I mean I don't think Royce O'Neal is the difference between getting the finals <laughs> or not but uh, I, I could see them getting to the finals with a little bit of injury luck um, even without a trade to be honest but then like beating 
the Lakers or the Clippers in the finals. I just that's just a tougher pill to swallow. I think so. I don't I don't know what their mentality is and what what their odds, how they view themselves internally in terms of uh, win probability of actually winning it all versus you know hoarding the picks and keeping them going forward. But are are they going to be in better positions though, Mike, in like a year or two? Like in terms of those, even if things go right with the complexion of the league. Who the hell knows? I mean, LeBron will be 37 in a couple of years. Uh, AD will be on the New York Knicks. And <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. Like, who, like, seriously, who knows? I mean, PG and Kawhi are free agents in two years. They could bounce. Giannis could go to the Western, could go to the Warriors. Like, I, I, Lord knows. Lord knows. <laughs> but you could lose Hayward. Like, mm. you know, there's you you have a salary structure now where you you have these guys with smart on really good deals and that may not be possible another year or two and the memphis pick is not looking like it's going to be it looks like it's coming this year now based on how they're looking so that's another asset that you can't count on for another elite talent coming in um down the road I, i based on how last year went i'm more of like you don't sacrifice the future you don't trade away the top pieces but like you should be more willing to move a late first round pick if it can help you get to the finals in a year like this where Durant's out and yeah, you need some luck, some injury luck, but Thoda's everyone on their way to the finals. That's not going to be, you know, that's going to happen for anyone. Yeah. I mean, I, I also think that based on how Tatum and Jalen has, have played so far that that might adjust their calculus going forward, knowing that those guys are going to be, a part of the organization unless they decide they're not so I, I like the, the leaps that those guys made may make it so that they would like to keep as many as many options as many and as many assets available as possible but who knows it is it's a fast it'll be a fascinating and a lot can change in the next six weeks here so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but all right uh who wants to set us up here for some mvp Celtics talk. How are we gonna set this up here? What's our what's our criteria? Well, I'll, I'll do it. But first, let me just remind both you guys that football and basketball seasons are in full swing, and uh, you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, BetOnline.ag. Sign up today to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit to the Start Betting College and Professional Ball. Every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet parlay or tease your way through the season. You can bet on propositions like who will make the college football playoff. Who will win the NFL MVP, which I think is probably uh, pretty much over at this point. But uh, get the fastest two market Brady? odds. What's that? Is it Brady? Brady, yeah. Either Brady or, uh, or Mike Nugent. Get the fastest <laughs> two market odds, updates, and payouts with our new Sportsbook partners, BetOnline.ag. Head over to BetOnline today on your mobile device or your desktop to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, yeah, so I guess moving forward with this most valuable Celtic talk, I guess, you know, obviously we can consider the what we've seen so far this year. But I think also like what we need to see moving forward. Is that a, a way to say it? Maybe for the Celtics to reach their, their highest potential, which is, you know, by the way, I know you said that they could face the Lakers in the finals, Mike, that Lakers need to make the playoffs before. <laughs> yeah, I, think we, we, I was going to save we, a playoff check for later. I was yeah, we, we, so. have, we have to, that. But um, <laughs> have they, yeah. what's their, their magic number is like five now to make the playoffs? <laughs> At least. But real quick, do you, do you know, who, who do you give the most credit for, for who the Lakers are? 
today. <laughs> what, what kind of a question is this? Who gets most the most credit for the Lakers' turnaround or turning them into what they are right now? LeBron James. Well, but Del- who? Who? What? Del- what Del- executive was LeBron James? Was critical in bringing LeBron James on. Mr. Magic Johnson. Is yeah, the, it was all magic. Thousand <laughs> percent. Yeah, I knew where you were going with that. Um, yeah, okay. So let's do our, our top three most valuable Celtics. And I mean, mine were more sort of based on what we've seen so far this year, but I think they kind of work moving forward as well. Um, Can I start with my third, yeah. my number three? I, can't, I, know, I think we all know what it is, but go for it. I don't think so. I, I mean, it's not a crazy one. Is, is um, it your, your tease from earlier in the show? It, that was a joke. Um, oh, damn. Oh, I thought that was real. That guys, was, come on. Excited. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> um, my, my number three is uh, Gordon Hayward. And so I have him here because uh, I basically was operating under the premise of uh, not necessarily what he's shown so far this season, even though what he has shown in his minutes, he's played 337 minutes this year. Uh, what he has shown is an all-star level wing who's extremely versatile, who makes plays for others, who's aggressive, who can shoot, who's efficient. So I really love what I've seen so far from him, and the team has been really good with him on the floor and pretty good with him uh, off relatively, but a lot of a lot of the on-off numbers are pretty wonky, except for one guy who we'll definitely be talking about later. Um, so... Uh, I just I've loved everything that I've seen from Gordon. I think that just on a pure talent standpoint, for the rest of this season at least, I would say he's one of the three best players on the team, which might be a little controversial, but I would take him uh, in a lot of different ways. I'm really comfortable uh, with him slotting into different roles, and I think he makes everybody around him better. And it's really difficult to spot any specific weaknesses in his game that would prevent him from being on the floor in crunch time or getting benched for uh, a mental mistake or uh, anything like that. So he's my number three. I think if they were to lose him for the rest of the year, it would be pretty tough to replace what he brings to the table. Okay. I think that's solid. I have no argument with that. He's not in my top three just strictly based on, you know, factoring in what he's done. But I I have no question if we're going for the rest of the season, for his MVP, I I honestly would expect him to be number two on this list. I think his play in that game against Philly on Thursday um, was just showed what he his importance on kind of both sides of the floor, and someone who can get a good look when he needs to in tight spots. And once with the three point shot coming around as well, with him coming back, I think he hit a couple in that game. Like he's just the the Swiss Army knife this team needs right now, and is continuing his all-star level we saw before the injury. Do you want to go next? I, can, I, can I just say, I, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league right now. I think he's he's that good. Right. Which is, again, why, not to harp on it too much, but it I feel like this is a unique window for this team right now. Because, again, you don't know, you have all these guys under control. You don't know what Gordon's future is. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not to take us off track there, but... He, if he keeps playing like this, he is going to get, he's going to want max money next year, and that's something that I'm not sure the Celtics are going to offer him. I'm not sure where else he could get it, but he's playing like a max level player right now. And while the can I make a prediction? Yeah, I predict he opts in. 
I mean, that's great news for the Celtics if he does, I think. I think he opts in because no teams that he would be that would be in, he would be interested in going to have max space to pay right. him. Right. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it's would... betting on himself a little bit, but you know, when you're in line to make 34 million by opting in, you know, that's a that's a decent option. And and to play with presumably one of the top, you know, three teams in the in the East, which will presumably only be better next year. Right. What what would you consider offering him if you're the Celtics to get him to opt out but stay long term this off season? Like I mean, three three ninety, like three eighty four, would you feel comfortable with, or is that too much? I mean, he's gonna be what, thirty one this off season or just thirty? Just thirty. I would be fine. I mean, if he wants to opt in, let him opt in and then we can talk let let him play an entire season healthy. We'll see what the team does at the end of this year and at the end of next year, and then get back to the table with his bird rights. Like that's what I would do. But like, I, I don't really, I wouldn't really have. Because you wouldn't I, want him long term. I mean, if I, no, it's in. not that I don't want him. It's just like I, if I do want him long term, I want him on a contract that I can trade and uh, trade easily as a positive asset. And I don't think that we'll be in the same ballpark with each other in that conversation. So. If he wants to opt in, let him opt in. If he opts out, then we can cross that bridge when we get there. That'll be a fascinating negotiation, I feel like, this summer, given the complexion of the league um, and just the lack of appealing teams out there. But I like your prediction, Mike. Thank you. It's amazing. 6.1 rebounds a game for him this year. It's pretty easily his his career high. That's impressive. It's playing power forward. Yeah. With Jalen, that's, you know, that's what they need from him. That's how they... If he can sustain that and Jalen can sustain that, they are a very tricky matchup for all these teams in the East. Rich, who's and, your number three? Uh, my number three is Mr. Winning Plays, Marcus Smart. Oh, okay, wonderful. Whoa. He was not on my list, so this will be yeah. a fun conversation. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it, and it's hard. To, it's hard to go to the the numbers, but and and, and a lot of mine was just for for the, this, these first uh, handful of games. This season, you know, the guy who was he was there for every played every game of that ten game winning streak, uh, just does everything right. A guy you never you never worry about shying away from the moment. A guy who can who can jump on any defensive assignment at any point. Um, and you know, and I was just about to say this about Gordon before we, we moved on, but you know, him and Gordon, it's a toss up between the best playmaker probably on the Celtics right now. Uh, and obviously, the three point shooting came back to earth a little bit before this, this this run of injuries mm, a lot <laughs> yeah yeah he's back down to i think 33 percent 33 percent um but he is 100 he, you you don't leave marcus smart open anymore right you're right you're, you're guarding marcus smart like it's it, it's not it's not a uh it's not a hole in the, in the offense anymore yeah you know and i and i just think so they're, they're 15 and 5 with with, with with marcus this year and uh, I think you, you saw it in the in the Philly game. I think I think that they, that they missed him. Um, so yeah. So and that's the guy just moving forward. You know he's been there. You know he's not. You know, he's he's a guy in, in in the playoffs that when you need that, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, just that extra level of of toughness. I think of leadership. A, 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 yeah, exactly. I think an un dis, under discussed. Uh, subplot from last year's postseason was the fact that they didn't really have Marcus Smart in the second round. Yep. Um, and I wonder how much of the loopy things that were going on 
on the court would have evaporated with someone like him directing traffic and and shouting at people and people barking. Mike, let me let me stop you there. <laughs> I think I think Kyrie gets benched if Marcus is actually healthy in that mm. series. Now thinking about it, because when you look at it, it's like okay, they could have played. You're gonna bench Kyrie for for Cherry? No. But if you could have just been like, all right, we're putting smart, we're just going all defense here, and we're going to give ourselves a chance. I think Brad probably would have, in hindsight, would have done that. I think he would have considered it. I still don't think he would have done it just because it just, I don't think it was in him. But um, but I, I, when I look at Marcus, like, I, the, the value, like, all the, the three-point shooting is, like, what wonderful. Um, all the offensive stats that have improved throughout his career are great. Uh, the playmaking is not to be overlooked it's just like in the playoffs when you have someone like that defensively who can you can throw on anyone without worry I just think that's humongously valuable and so that's I mean it's a good call to have him on this list he's not on mine right now um, which speaks to Boston's depth and, and talent at the top but the defensive value is just through the roof with him there aren't too many guys in the league if any who can do what he can do on that side of the ball and the value of you know we talk about sometimes like hey how what's what are the Celtics going to do with their starting lineup they don't want to upset Jalen and, and bring him off the bench you don't want to insult Gordon or, but uh, Marcus is the guy you just tell him what you need and he'll do it and that's that's valuable in a different way mm-hmm. no question about that and the the one thing that did drag him down out of my top three was the fact that I feel like he was playing through injuries um, and trying to do too much outside his normal like when he was playing you know before the Hayward injury where he could literally just be setting guys up and playing defense and not having to carry the offense for that load. That's when he was at his best. And then that's when things kind of went haywired a little bit after that. So when this team is at full strength and he can play to his strengths, that is, you know, I'd say during those first 10 or 15 games, he was as much the MVP as anyone in on this team in that, in that run. Um, Your number three, my number three, a guy we haven't been mentioned yet but I feel like deserves some attention. Jalen Brown. Um, just having... We uh, hate him out here on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So just not discuss him. Can't believe no. you brought him up. <laughs> I mean, I, I've come I've come full circle more than anyone else in this podcast on Jalen Brown um, in the last two years. I know. I was, I was, I'm waiting for the Jay Crowder. Yeah, Jay Crowder. I will, we'll see if he's... Uh, confirm Jalen Brown is better than Jay Crowder. Uh, well, we'll see what Jay Crowder later. gets on the market this summer before we yeah, jump could, to conclusions. He might get him back. That's a trade candidate. <laughs> I'm sure he would love that. <laughs> Come play behind Gordon. For sure. Jalen. Uh, so so Jalen, he's going to be your number three. Yeah, so it kind of sp- he had a bad game against Philly the other night, but the fact we got on from that, like just for one bad game, speaks to, in my mind, just how consistent he's been and good he's been across the board almost for the rest of the year career highs in almost every single category 19 and 7 per game um shooting 50 percent from the field 37 from three on five attempts per game nearly four three throw attempts per game uh career high 73 percent from the line that's i think a big number too that number going up after languishing in the 60s and you can you can finally count on him every night. He, it's it's been a struggle obviously through last year, and finding his 
you know, having to wait his turn essentially and going through the benching and just playing a far lower limited role and getting benched in crunch, crunch time as well. But now, now there's like not a second thought to being like, okay, he's going to be on the floor at the end of games. He's making big shots and doing, and just as essentially the most efficient high volume scorer on the roster right now outside of Gordon. And that's pretty impressive for him given the company on this team. I like it. Uh, I, I, he's not on my list. Rich, is he on your list? No, he's not on my list. Okay. Yeah. I'll say that, that you know, I'm, I'm just you know, looking at his numbers now. It, it is, I want to say concerning, but just a little, maybe a reason that he's, that he's not on my list is that his three you know, oh, worst geez. games this, this season, <laughs> the, two, the two Philly games, and then at the Clippers. You know, I mean, foul, the, foul trouble in that first game. In the first game, sure. And then uh, you know, three or 14 at the Clippers and you know, the sort of kind of no-show uh, at home versus Philly. Um, but that's obviously just nitpicking. I mean, he's, he's been fantastic. You look at every and, and, and like you said, it's just you don't I'm, – I'm looking right now. Before, before that game against Philly, the most recent one, his points were 28, 31, 21, 20, and 18. That's five straight games. And in those games, he had, you know, eight rebounds, seven rebounds, seven rebounds. So he's, you know, he's doing it. And he had eight assists in that, in that Indiana game before, yeah. before following out, uh, which is a huge step for him. And I think that's one point that maybe he's like, you know, both him and Tatum, I think, have improved with their, with their court vision and playmaking a little bit. I think he's still maybe a little bit behind Tatum on that level. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to see that and not even be completely shocked by it anymore. It's obviously a testament to how far he's come, um, and I think he probably still has. He's still only twenty three. You know, he still has. He still has uh, a little bit to go. It's it, it's exciting, but I he's mean, still not my top Tatum, three. He's not getting the opportunities Tatum gets for well, as far as like featured option. Yeah, well, in these games, so it was for for a reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and when and you I, talk about most valuable, maybe when you already do have Gordon and Tatum there. Maybe that, you know, right. as, I mean, as it pertains specifically to the Celtics, maybe it takes away from his value a little bit. But he's ridiculous. Like, he's a borderline all-star at the very least this year. To counter your bad game point, Rich, uh, Jalen's best games this year, 31 points at home against Miami, 25 against Toronto, and 25 at home against Dallas. And 11 rebounds in that Dallas game, and 11 too. rebounds in that Dallas So he is... He doesn't make a habit of not showing up for big games, which is, uh, again, good news for this team. Uh, shameless, Mike. real quick, shameless plug. I wrote a story about Bam Adebayo, and in that Celtics game, I was actually not rooting against Jalen Brown per se, but Bam <laughs> was guarding him from the jump, and I was hoping I could fit something like from that matchup in my story, but then Jalen kind of like went off, and I was like, all right, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Bury the yeah, tape for that one. Bam did not have a great game. No, no. But that um, story seemed to do very well, Mike. Thank you. It was over a hundred, over a hundred retweets on your on your first uh, post. Uh, Everybody, go read it at sbnation.com. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, are we moving on to number two now? Yeah, number two. Okay. That's um, the number. That's the number two ding. Yes. In the background. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, to let everybody know, my number two is uh, Kemba Walker, and. I mean, what can you not say about Kemba's been great. I feel like he's lived up to the, the, the max contract after that first game where the sky was falling against Philadelphia and he looked too small. Uh, he just does a lot of the things that this team needs out of that position. He's 
uh, always a threat to pull up from deep. He's what I think is really interesting about how they've incorporated him into the offense on, in particular is just, you know, this team has not traditionally been a pick and roll ball handling team where the ball handler will finish possessions. And, you know, the, the past three years heading into this one, they were 14.6 percent uh within 14.6 pointing 14.7 percent for three straight years and then this year they jumped all the way up to 21 which is near the top of the league uh and that's all because of Kemba and they're the second most efficient team in in pick as a pick pick and roll ball handling team behind just the Dallas Mavericks who have Luka Doncic so uh Kemba's been great their offense dies when he's off the floor uh their offense is great when he's on the floor and I, I think just when you talk about value, there's only so many guys who you could actually replace them with if they miss time. I mean, Marcus Smart has playmaking ability, but, you know, I, I think that he, they would structurally have to change almost how they play offense because of how important Kemba has been. Yeah, I mean, he is he's my number one. Mine too, um, actually. So that's – but that's – I like the the – the contrast of opinion there because I think you can make a case for both him and obviously Tatum who's my number two I assume it's your number two as well Rich yeah um, but yeah I mean with Kemba for me it's just the the playmaking he provides the he's coming into a new environment and we've seen tough transitions for guys who've played their whole career somewhere um, I guess like Horford I feel like he had uh, just like an okay first 20 games in Boston when he started his career here for Kemba, I just feel like the transition has been as close to seamless as possible. And beyond the on-court stuff that you mentioned, Mike, just the, the off-court dynamics of him have been well documented, but I think they matter. He's the leader and of the I, team. He's the leader of the team. He is as humble as they come for a player of his stature and as hardworking as they come. And I feel like they are just scratching the surface of him as well. Since even in that Sixers game, you still saw how much finding better ways to use him against tough matchups like that, finding his spots, and you know just those two performances where again he he has what was it forty four against Indy and comes right back with you know near thirty before kind of running out of the gas at the end of the back to back. But again, uh, bringing it everything you want to the table in those situations and working his butt off on defense despite his limitations. That's kind of what this team needs for consistency every night and that's why they've been in every single game all year rich i feel like because of of that consistency yeah consistency and like you said that selflessness that that you mentioned and allowing tatum and jalen and and gordon too to to find them to refine themselves and spread their wings a little bit but still manage to get his like still leading the team in scoring you know also uh leading the team in fourth quarter scoring which i think is big he's just bar- barely out, out of the uh, it depends if you want to count Kyrie I don't think we should based on how many games he's played but 11 basically 11th in the NBA in, in fourth quarter points per game this year uh one interesting stat that I just it doesn't really mean anything but I stumbled on uh only he Harden and Giannis are scoring more fourth quarter points than they're playing fourth quarter minutes this season which is kind of mm. interesting um and he's also playing uh fewer minutes than any season since his rookie year so you know, I think it's nice they're not they're not running him into the ground, and that hopefully this can be sort of a long haul situation for the season. But yeah, and again, like I I mentioned Kyrie and just coming off that and just seeing what that did last year, and that was all the talk coming coming into this season how that was going to be different, and it really has been the polar opposite. 
and it just comes down to Kemba and who he is and how he carries himself and again what he's actually able to do on the court which is pretty unbelievable and he's still he, and, and I'm glad that 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 two of us had him at number one because he still doesn't get the attention he probably deserves just because he's so willing to sort of take a and to take a, a not a back seat but just a side seat and he's still the one that, that that's out there after big games talking to the media right he's he, he's great is he always he's always at his locker after the games or is, did they do a podium situation with him yeah yeah no, he's talked to every game um you know there's people like mike Pina out there disrespecting him but it's just <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what drives him but but are there are, is every is every player usually available after the game or is kemba among yeah the no, most everyone consistent? everyone is that's the there's been no player who's like skipped media this year for the celtics after uh i mean there haven't been many tough losses but everyone's been accountable that's kind of a a team-wide thing and um that is again Kyrie. it was kind of the case like that last year too there wasn't um but it you can see just the the way everyone handles themselves is uh is is different um top to bottom and i feel like it kind of starts with Kemba there. And he's also uh, also tied for third in the, in the league this year in fourth quarter three-pointers made. So that's just, I mean, uh, you know. 40% uh, from three while taking over nine a game is ridiculous. Um, I don't know if that can sustain. That's well above his career average of 36%, but obviously more better looks this year than Charlotte. Um, all right, but let's wrap things up with Mike's number one here because um, we haven't talked about Mr. Tatum yet, and he has a case for number one too, I feel like. Yeah, um, well, I have Tatum number one. It was him and Tice, and <laughs> it was really difficult. No, um, I had I, I was splitting hairs between Kemba and Tatum, and basically, like the what what kind of put it over the edge is just their on-off numbers when one guy's on the floor, with and without the other. And so, I mean, when Kemba's on the floor without Tatum, the Celtics have actually have a negative point differential. They, they, first of all, they when they're both on the floor, the Celtics are great. They outscore point, p- opponents by 12.4 points per 100 possessions, which basically means that they are the Milwaukee Bucks. When uh, Tatum is on the floor without Kemba, that actually goes up to 14. So You, you know why? Because he's playing with Brad Wanamaker. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Number four on my list, by the way. The, 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 like, the defense... Just defense has been a factor, I think, uh, with Kemba, at least. It's not that he doesn't try hard or anything like that, but uh, it's been a little bit of an issue. Uh, is Bam out of bio texting you right now? Yeah, who's, who's blowing you up right now? I, I Yeah, uh, me and Bam have been texting. Mean, can, you, can you throw it on Do Not Disturb? He, he, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying right now my hardest, but I'm trying to get through this point before <laughs> catastrophe. Um no, so I, I mean, I have, I have uh, uh, a Tatum number one just because of of, of those reasons defensively. Uh, I think he's uh, a, a humongously more important player and valuable player than Kemba, and he can do a lo- not everything that Kemba can do offensively, but uh, he can do different sorts of things. And I feel like as the year goes on, uh, he'll only get better. Uh, whereas. Uh, you know, Kemba's just kind of Kemba, and that's who he is in his career, and that's wonderful. But uh, you, you look at just league-wide, something like real plus-minus, Jason Tatum is sixth in the league, uh, plus-minus, regular plus-minus. He's, you know, he's leap, lapping the field. He's like plus-two-something, and no one else is above plus-one 
thirty or something like that with the Celtics. So he's just they they play they're they're great when he's on the floor and they're not great when he's off the floor and that just is the definition of value for me. Yeah, and I guess when it comes down to splitting hairs, I just felt like like you said that Kemba has been Kemba, like he's been everything the Celtics want and. The Celtics need a little bit more from Tatum. So that's why I didn't want to give him the number one slot. I want to give him number two, give him something to, to strive for a little bit. Because he still has, has I mean, room to grow. And it's scary to say, but, you know, not even just moving moving forward for years to come. Like this year, you know, for the Celtics to be as good as they can be, Tatum needs to be better. He needs to be a little bit more consistent. Um, I think he needs to, I've said this before, I think he needs to get to the foul line a little bit more. Take it to the hoop as opposed to, you know, especially in that, that Thursday game where he kept on settling for that weird floater. But I saw, I actually saw this this stat on, on Reddit. Uh, of the top 30 scorers in the NBA this year, only five guys uh, are, getting fewer, are getting fewer points from the foul line than Tatum. Um, that's like C.J. McCollum, Buddy Heald, Tobias Harris, Evan Fournier. So, you know, those are not guys that you want to have in the same necessary breath as Tatum when you're talking about actually leading one of the top teams in the league and, and, and scoring and uh, and whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Tatum's been amazing. I, it's, it's hard to really criticize him, but I just think he needs to get a little bit tougher. He needs to get a little bit uh, – I don't want to say like killer instinct because he does step up and take those big shots. But he just has room to grow, whereas Kemba has been the best that you could have imagined. That was All the fair. difference maker for me. All fair. Yeah, yeah just shoot better than 40% Tatum, and then you're, you're number one. <laughs> I mean, I mean the plus-minus numbers are ridiculous. And it's it's throughout his whole career, which is the exciting part for the Celtics. I'm actually going to be writing something on this in the coming weeks of just how he's consistently been at the top of plus-minus and all his three years here and there's obviously been a lot of good players here but he keeps topping that list for a reason i feel like uh but at the same time yeah like the you know 40 percent from the field with 18 shots a game like that just needs to get better um and it can it will get better um all signs say it will but uh and then you know consistency like jalen brown i think you know he wasn't for some of these big games where he doesn't have it and Mason forces it a little too much offensively or doesn't have their head in the game completely on defense. There's there's room for growth there because there's obviously more potential. So, But with all that said, uh, easy number two and could easily have been number one um, as Mike had him. So. A full uh, full seven rebounds a game this year. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yep. Um, all right, well, that's going to – put a wrap on it we'll, we'll we'll revisit this discussion i feel like uh maybe every two months we'll say maybe we'll do a check-in around the trade deadline because i think it's a it's an interesting thing to debate uh to see how these lists will fluctuate or not uh over the course of the season on a team that has so many uh key pieces but uh we'll be back with you guys uh for a pre-christmas podcast uh probably early next week i'm guessing checking yeah. on, on the more with the more rodney hood rumors might might yeah we'll see might what ronnie's health situation we'll check on ronnie's <laughs> health situation we'll check on the lakers playoff oh, situation <laughs> and um we'll see and then hopefully we'll see if marcus smart is back on the floor as well and as the seas have a a fun test down in dallas and uh a couple uh other uh, uh detroit charlie not the most exciting slate of games but uh key nonetheless with a see what a full squad looks like for this group